Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike. In a moment, as we bring to you, you heard the theme song, another Oscar race checkpoint going around the Hollywoods, another pit stop on this awards season road, Michael. Yeah, I think it's like a weekly show now, isn't it? We just, (laughs) (laughs) we have to do one every week because this news keeps dropping. Like the preview summer won't end. We get Mm -hmm. another swath of movie trailers that we have to review and we're going to do that at the end of the episode and then we have to talk about the release date real estate shuffle the calendar that we just Mm. got from netflix and what's going on with theatrical every week there's something you know earth shattering and yet again here we go we have to analyze the announcements and then analyze the three weeks later when they come back and announce everything's moving that they just announced. Yeah, so we got to yeah. speculate about the analysis <laughs> of the announcements. Right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, Unnecessary Evil are these ORC episodes, these ORCs as we lovingly call them. Uh, we will start by going around the industry right now. Let's talk about the movie release schedule, Mike, and uh, let's start with, like you kind of hinted at, some theatrical movings. Yeah, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, reportedly delayed again to 2022. Then there was a new report that the old reported report was reportedly untrue. Mm. (laughs) Chris Lee of Vulture has reported that Sony is thinking about pushing Venom 2 out into next January, but that has not happened yet. So now we still have Let There Be Carnage on its October 15th release date. That is shared, of course, with Blumhouse and Halloween Kills, which Universal and Blumhouse has doubled down upon with their CinemaCon presentation with the Halloween Kills panel. So... What you're thinking about this, Mike, do you think they're playing chicken still, or do you think Venom, that move is inevitable? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not quite sure. I I think it's bad marketing, for one, (laughs) on Sony's part, about letting, I don't know how that report leaks that they're moving it to 2022 if they're not actually moving it to 2022. It seems like somebody might have jumped the gun and then they got scared by the public reaction, so they reeled it back in, or maybe it was just said too early. The part of the story I feel best about is that Blumhouse clearly has gotten my letters slash bomb threats, and they're sticking to their guns (laughs) about Halloween Kills going to theaters this October. Because, like you said, there was a trailer and a panel from CinemaCon. The marketing has ramped up a bit. Uh, we have Brad Miska of BloodyDisgusting.com. Uh, he cites having heard from several different people that Universal is holding their ground to the October 15th date as well, despite Venom 2's presence. So it seems like of those two, despite the flip-flop and back and forth and Venom's going to move again and no, it's not, I would say of those two movies, Halloween to me seems like the one I'd be more sure is coming out in theaters at this point. Right. And look, let's be honest, by the numbers, if the box office is only whatever, 50 percent, 40 percent in COVID, right, of what it used to be, then Halloween Kills can perhaps still make a profit off of that because their budgets are not in the nine digits, whereas Venom 2 is probably... The nine digits, probably like a hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred million dollar property, and those movies typically have trouble 
making that money right now, as we've seen all summer. So I Mm -hmm. wonder if this is kind of just a tough spot for Sony to be in because Sony, like the rest of Hollywood, they're at CinemaCon right now and they're putting on panels along with cinema exhibitors, cinemas. Mm. They're putting these panels together with this group. This is the point where they work together on the at the calendar and they try and, you know, again, this is preview summer. They're previewing all this cool ass stuff coming out in movie theaters. So now would be a very awkward time to have not one story about <laughs> Hotel Transylvania 2. It would be a very awkward time to have their biggest release of the fall, Venom Let There Be Carnage, if you're Sony, after your CEO is out in front of everybody saying, we must save movie theaters, we must invest in movie theaters. This is Screw day and date releasing. It hurts the business. We don't like vertical integration because we're the last studio that hasn't done it yet. (laughs) All of that rhetoric can't be out there. And then you just move your biggest thing to January good point. and just say, hey, theaters, good luck. You're saying that they'll wait until tomorrow when CinemaCon's over to announce that Venom's Probably. <laughs> they won't yeah. do right. No, I, I think that's a, that's a really good point uh, that you make. And I also, I, less importantly, but important to like what's actually on the screen, I wonder if there's any sort of imperative that Venom 2 has to be released before Spider-Man 3. Hmm. Because we know this is Tom Holland's Spidey's last hurrah as a Marvel property. It's going to revert back to Sony, or at least that's what the plan is as of today. It's supposed to go back to solely a Sony property. And we know we're going to talk about the Spider-Man 3 uh, trailer at the end of this episode. But we know there was some stuff shown to us that was rumored and confirmed by how it looks that uh, there's going to be kind of a Sinister Six thing going on. Uh, so maybe they need to establish that more in Venom 2. I, I I don't know. I think that's just another thing to be thoughtful of. But I, I do agree that it would be poor timing on Sony's part if they were to pull that trigger at this very moment. But that doesn't cover tomorrow. Right. And Halloween Kills is going to premiere in Venice. And, uh, and we got the tribute going on for its lead and we have the CinemaCon trailer that we'll probably get soon and the panel and their reactions and Blumhouse's tweets like you've been saying <laughs> literally just uh, a sw- uh, basically making you feel better (laughs) it's all about my mental sanity at this they're making us happy thank god so universal has to think they have a winner on their hands right with halloween kills i mean i guess i love this franchise and i'm going to speak lonely about it and defend it with everything i have but this seems to me like universal thinks they have something they can do damage with because they're going full speed ahead at CinemaCon like they did they had the trailer they had people talking even though the trailer hasn't been released to the public I'm I'm guessing they must think that the Halloween Kills audience isn't going to be diluted by the Venom 2 audience, even though if you go by the 2018 first iterations of both those franchise movies, Venom out-earned Halloween at the worldwide box office about $3.35 to every $1 Halloween made. So it made significantly less, but to me, if I'm reading tea leaves, Universal likes Halloween Kills, right? I'm sure they do. The, the last one made 255 worldwide. Mm-hmm. Now, can you still get close to that during pandemic times? Yeah, probably. Uh, and and let's say maybe they can make their back end in on PVOD because they know those numbers and we don't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say again, I would say if anybody has the chance of making their money back, it's it's Universal over Sony here. Uh, Sony is fighting a huge. You know, they they got to make a you know. Half a million, half a billion dollars. 
Yeah, well, and speaking of other establishment studios that have to make a lot of money at some point because of uh, tentpole properties that either have been moved or may be moved again, Mike, we had Tom Bruggeman of IndieWire talking about why No Time to Die must release on October 8th. Yeah, a couple good nuggets in here. So obviously we covered the Amazon Prime uh, buying MGM, and MGM is now made the Adams Family 2 a day-and-date release Mm -hmm. with PVOD. That's not something we covered, and I believe that's October 1st. But we have No Time to Die remaining as an exclusive theatrical release planned for October 8th in the U.S. It's going to be late September uh, overseas, and I think it's actually delayed in Australia, but... This is, according to Brueggemann, a risk on a $250 million budget, all that marketing. Again, we're, we're, figuring, we're trying to figure out how a tentpole, how a tentpole movie is going to do in this, you know, smaller percentage of the box office climate, COVID climate we're dealing with. I know James Bond needs to make money. I'm just not sure for who yet, because <laughs> I don't really buy the, well, MGM needs to put this out in theaters because they need to they need any kind of revenue from it. They just need the revenue. They need the money. I buy that less and less because of the Amazon deal. And yeah, the, the richest company in the world bought exactly. that. So do they need the money now? I mean right. maybe their deals, you know, they of course they want the money, but But I, 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 I do see merit to that argument for Eon, unless Eon's just happy making whatever money it made in the Amazon takeover. Hmm. But we know the Broccoli family, the owners of the James Bond property, the owner of Eon Studios, is very ardent and has been passionate about having James Bond be a theatrical exclusive property amongst its first run, or at least for right. its first run, for its release. You and I were talking before the show, this kind of just could be giving Amazon some ammunition if they ever want to go forward and say, look, okay, we'll put this one out in theaters. Oh, look, here's the numbers it did, whether it was COVID or not. It disappointed relative to anything else that any other James Bond movie did. So let's try going on just streaming for the next Bond property. It could be like, I I imagine the future of James Bond was part of the MGM Amazon negotiations in the first place. Mm -hmm. But I don't, if it's not settled, I think this could be Amazon to quote your phrase, giving Eon and giving James Bond enough rope to hang themselves here. If they go through with this theatrical release. Yeah. You did a good job summarizing kind of my pre-show talk with you there. I think uh, that's my cynical take. That's my cynical take. I I agree with you, by the way, I think there's something to that. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. And I, I hope that, this James Bond can make enough money to cover itself and that they keep making, you know, Bond 26 through 40 for the big screen. I, I mm-hmm. want that. And I think this Bond is certainly posturing, like I said, uh, they're, they're, to release on October 8th. I mean, you have the Zurich Film Festival is going to have a day and date with the. Uh, you know, with the Bond premiere in Europe there, you're going to have a Royal Albert Hall premiere on September 28th. So it does seem like it's full steam ahead. And we've often wondered if marketing machines just would rev up to a point where once they got going, Mike, you cannot scale them back. It's It would cost you too much to postpone. Well, and there's a lot to that, too, because they've already postponed this movie, what, three times, four right. times? And the more times you post, uh, you know, the bigger the movie, the more money it costs you to postpone it in the first place. And we're already talking about the James Bond movie that we know is going to have the biggest budget out of any Bond movie yet. 
<laughs> just on its budget, never mind its marketing costs. So that means it's it's costing at least $250 million out the gate, which right. means that before you move this movie once for the first time, it would have had to make about $625 million to break even. So like out of morbid curiosity, what the hell is this movie going to have to do at this point just to break even? A billion worldwide? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think that inflated price for MGM properties... You know, that could have something to do with it. We like we don't understand these negotiations. We know Bond was not in the Amazon Prime kind of sale necessarily, that those deals will, would hold and that Bond would stay with the Broccoli family and et cetera. But did they get did they get extra money to hold them over? Was that part of the deal? Yeah. I was don't know. was was House of Gucci and the rest of the MGM slate with Cyrano, et cetera, was that part of the deal or were all those like you you uh, speculated last time, those are probably all set in stone with the distributors and the exhibitors. All those deals are in stone. It's happening. That's that. They announced it a year ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering if there's a safety net now that the richest company in the world <laughs> owns the studio. So what do they really have to make necessarily? Do they have to make that billion dollars or is it covered already for all the people you know, controlling these what are now wings of Amazon necessarily? Yeah, I'm not necessarily. How many times can you and I say necessarily between ourselves in a I'm not really concerned about Amazon. Go figure. Like, I don't think they need this movie to do. I don't think it matters, to be honest, if Bond No Time to Die makes a zillion dollars or makes no money this time around. Because I think they've already worked into their price of the purchase sale what they expect, what they expect Bond to do for them. Whole whole cloth, whether it's movies, toys, streaming, video game, whatever the hell they're going to do with the the property. So I think they've already kind of have an estimation. I am curious just from a box office standpoint to see what this movie's got to do to break even after it's been moved so many times because it's an interesting case study. Mm-hmm. And talking about the Bond franchise in total, there's only been, I mean, that $625 million figure is if you take the $250 million budget and multiply it by two and a half, which is crude math, but that's the old standard for how a movie needs to break even. There's only been two Bond movies ever that made over $600 million at the box office. Uh, now, Grant, I mean, they were both Daniel Craig Bond films. It was Spectre, which made 879, and Skyfall, which did 1.1 billion worldwide. But, I mean, we aren't exactly living in billion dollar box office days right now either. So, just, I think, regardless of how you think Amazon plays into this, there's still a ton of intrigue in Bond's box office just from a case study standpoint in a reflection of COVID era. I agree. And I, I've been kind of in my brain thinking that Bond was going to move back to Thanksgiving and then they could just move the slate like House of Gucci would move that back to Christmas. Mm. That would be counter programming with Matrix four. And, you know, I mean, I kind of figured it was going to shuffle back. But unfortunately, like, I wonder if the campaigns are like they just have to release it now. Too many balls are in motion. Well, and we said and last they have week, the safety when, we, net. Yeah. when we thought Venom was moving a month or when Venom did move a month, excuse me, when, when Venom moved from September to October, we're saying, well, what the hell's the point of that? What's, What's one a month, month really going to do? do? Yeah. Especially if you got to swallow the cost of remarketing the whole thing over again like you would for a Bond film, too. Right. So maybe they can expect the at-home viewing nut no matter what. Maybe that they're... I, I don't want to rhyme as much as I am right now, but maybe that <laughs> is what is ultimately factoring in as well because they have more of an understanding of the PVOD. You know, they have more of an understanding of what it would do for their streaming service mm. or whatever uh, after the fact. So I don't know what the windows are, what windows are locked in for these movies necessarily, but maybe Venom 
Maybe Venom could go to Netflix, you know, a month and a half later. I don't know. I think as time goes on for Sony and Amazon here, these can be, could be two very, very educational moments. If COVID prolongs itself, God forbid, or something else happens down. Like, I think these could be the moments that the industry looks back on and tries to study and just watches the fallout from. I think they could be that significant just uh, as far as the entanglements that these spider legs have coming off of the hub of the studio. Well, I, I just think it's intriguing to see the numbers we're seeing, right? We're not seeing big numbers. And then to project that forward to the winter and these movies that I mean, we know what they have to make and they're mm-hmm. not going to make, they're not going to no. hit those marks. No. So what no. does that mean? That means I got to be making that money somewhere else. Right. I, so, maybe, I, like I said, maybe, maybe Amazon's already accounted for it too. I mean, they're, yeah. they're swallowing the pill. They know it's maybe. a loss. Maybe. Wow. Michael, we got a huge Netflix winter release schedule fall and winter release schedule the week after we covered the netflix fall and winter release schedule (laughs) (laughs) so they announced the global fan event in september so that's cool that they're going to do the tutum fan event uh series it's it's not enough by the way that netflix to to put studios out of business and theaters (laughs) out of business now they want to just monopolize the convention game as well they're 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 having their own to dumb right is that the name of this thing to dumb, <laughs> which is a great, it's a great name for a, a fan fest because it it's sounds gonna... like a villain in a uh, sci-fi movie. No, well, it's the, it's the Netflix sound is what they're saying. It's the sound the Netflix oh. signature makes at the, and I think that's genius. And it also settles a bunch of bar arguments. Oh, that I was like, what the hell is that? The Tudum <laughs> Festival? Tudum is how you, yeah. Tudum. Yeah, no, it's Tudum. I heard, uh, what's his, one of the Stranger Kids things at the very opening of the video, the uh, promotional video. Tudum. Lance Tudum. Lance Tudum has <laughs> crafted Skynet to be the. No, oh my God! No, no, I'm still going with the old joke that didn't work in the first place. But you're right; it's it's it is Tudum, and oh my God, I feel stupid. Do you think when that was pitched, <laughs> like, do you think a guy pitched that within Netflix? And had any support the first time around. Like, that has to be... I feel like that was something that was pitched, got booed out of the pitch meeting, and then everyone got drunk at happy hour, and they, like, really rallied behind it. <laughs> that was a happy hour uh, right. embrace. I probably agree. I Like, once... And then, they're like, five people who were against it probably stuck their foot in their mouths as far as, far as I just did and embarrassed right. themselves. So, three or four drinks in them, they, they changed their mind. Yeah. I wonder, I'm what, like, you can't get a boardroom full of people to agree that that's the actual pronunciation and spelling of the Netflix signature first time around. Never mind having a whole fan fest. I, I've invested a lot of mental capacity into this today. Yeah, no, I thought it was a Tudum film festival. <laughs> <laughs> but, Michael, we had a bunch of dates added to the schedule. We covered things last week, early September. We got Worth, Michael Keaton, Kate, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. The Starling has been added to September. This is Melissa Mm. McCarthy, Kevin Klein. We're going to review the trailer in a few minutes. The Guilty is early October. Jake Gyllenhaal Gyllenhaal, or Gyllenhaal, Antoine Fuqua. But what did you think of those two hitting early fall instead of late? So, it worries me. I'm not going to say it doesn't, especially in this lineup. But then again, maybe Netflix is playing 
the odds here with COVID themselves, and maybe yeah. they see some openings in the calendar, uh, wouldn't surprise me. What I did notice from Netflix coming up, more so than the early fall slate, is the late winter slate. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, I guess start running that down, and I can tell you what Netflix has done historically afterwards. Well, they kind of had November mostly in place. They had The Harder They Fall. Passing is the new film early uh, November on the 10th. Red Notice, mm-hmm. we mentioned. Tick, tick, boom, we mentioned. Bruised, all that's November. Uh, the Power of the Dog is now December 1st. We have The Unforgivable, which we'll get into in a second. The Hand of God and Don't Look Up. That is their December. We also know Back to the Outback is coming around that time. And Andrew Morgan wanted to, you know, get our antennas up for a documentary that he thinks can contend. 14 Peaks, Nothing is Impossible, late November. So oscar release dates for those last six movies, Mike. And the last few years, n- November has been the release period for Netflix's big showcase oscar film. I mean, right. Roma came out the 21st of November. The Irishman came out November 1st. Yeah, Trial of Chicago 7 came out in September, but you could argue that originally Netflix felt Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was going to be their bigger awards player, and that was a Thanksgiving release as well. Mm-hmm. This year, we know that the awards calendar is going to be pushed off an extra month, and it seems like Netflix has pushed off their awards calendar an extra month because it, go through those December offerings again, Power of the Dog, Unforgivable, Hand of God, Don't Look Up. Though, I mean, you can, you can include 14 Peaks in there as well. Back to the Outback, you can talk about that too. Those are movies we've talked about already that could very likely have some kind of Oscars and awards likes to them. So I think Netflix is kind of doing something they haven't done in the last few years where they're getting their ducks in a row early and kind of tipping their hat as to what they think is going to be their big Oscar player. Yeah, I mean, the big three that uh, Andrew and I came up with at the time, which we thought was shaky in that uh, Netflix Oscar Outlook episode we did two weeks ago, Tick, Tick, Boom was involved, but now it looks like you know, Netflix is doing a more traditional Oscar release schedule, mm. especially in that delayed year. So like, my, my question to you is going to be a snotty one <laughs> where I was going to be like, well, how many of those won Best Picture? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. I, you know, I'll make fun of myself now. But that, but that's probably what they're thinking. Like, all right, let's, you know, we got a couple of these films that, uh, you know, might be able to peak later. And maybe it makes sense to have them with the film festival roll out and then we'll build more traditionally like a lot of these uh, Oscar winners do. I mean, we did the release date statistics in the past, no Mm. matter if the Oscars were in March or February, because they were, you know, different eras, different uh, dates on the calendar there in the spring. December had the most winners, the most Mm. nominees, the most best pictures, the most best picture nominees. End of story, December. So this is... This is the traditional month. Now, does that mean they can't get some momentum out of a September movie or an October movie in last year's case, right, with the Trial of the Chicago right, 7? Yeah, no. of course not. Yeah, of course not. Of but course maybe not. they get noms for the rest of the fall. And, yeah, hopefully if they think they got a bona fide Best Picture winner, maybe it's a centerpiece at New York Film Festival, perhaps. Maybe it was an untitled name of a, you know, Polish DJ techno band, perhaps. <laughs> And now you got to go back to the drawing board. But yeah, we got these movies with huge casts. Sandra Bullock, Viola Davis, Benedict Cumberboo, Adam McKay, Meryl Streep. Let's go. Do you think uh, Tick, Tick, Boom would have made it the December cutoff for Netflix if Andrew Garfield wasn't in it? 
That's the no. Okay, that's just me. Have you ever seen Andrew Garfield in anything non-Spider-Man related? <laughs> I have. I like, have. But like no, before Social Network, like, have you seen the Red Riding? You like serial killer hunt on the hunt for serial killer movies, right? I I do. I you're asking me if I've seen Andrew Garfield in anything he did prior to 2011 for the BBC. I don't think so. Maybe, okay, there's a Red Riding so. trilogy that is very mediocre, but however, very watchable. I think it was on Netflix for a long time, and he played the whole, you know, the, all the ages. <laughs> <laughs> like he does. Like, he could play 17, <laughs> he could, uh, a 21-year-old cop, and then he's like a 40-year-old cop, and then he's like a 45, you know, 9-year-old cop or something. What if we interview him, and you ask him questions, and I just glare at him the entire time? <laughs> He's probably a swell guy. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's lovely. He seems like a great person. <laughs> We're not allowed. We're just not allowed. Michael, we got a uh, story that uh, is going to be the first of many. The best international film selections have begun, and Ecuador's Submersible is our first one. So here's the description from Eric Anderson of AwardsWatch.com. Submersible details the story of a handmade narco sub on the verge of sinking and losing its precious cargo due to a mechanical failure. The three crew members are forced to open the forbidden cargo cabin to distribute the weight and save the ship. Next to the cargo, they find a special gift for the buyer, a young girl, gagged and in terrible shape. The boat, barely big enough for three to begin with, becomes a steaming powder cake of fears, desires, and greed. Uh, This is Ecuador's 10th submission overall. He goes on to say it's yet to receive an Oscar nomination. So aside from the fact that a powder cake is delicious and a powder keg (laughs) is what's commonly used to refer to a dangerous situation, this sounds like a heavy movie. Maybe the rare possible Oscars contender that doesn't deal with, like, crushing real-world atrocities, unless this is a human trafficking story, and that's what this is probably is, right? Well, I would tell you this. <laughs> I think if you watch, if you read the full premise on our show, you have to watch the movie now and, and give a review. So it does, uh, it's, expecting it sounds, that from you. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I will. I, I admit that. It that's cool, because, like, this category last year was a saving grace of the Oscars for me and for mm-hmm. the whole season. And I tell you what, me and Brian Perry at Road to Oscars on Twitter, <laughs> you know, we, we loved it. We love We're going back. We're trying to watch as many of these international submissions as possible. And it, it's a lot of fun. And my, my antennas are up for the New York Film Festival. I just set my 14 film slate there. And I'm seeing a lot of Good international films. And I'm hoping I'm like, I'm like trying to think about in my head like oh if i see this one will it get selected <laughs> or will it not get selected so that's what's starting to happen now so we'll we'll report on this category periodically i do think the academy is much more international and, and we get crossover nominations quite a bit now so this is exciting and ecuador good on you and mike one good on you man you you got into this premise yeah i did i did so I'm, i am looking forward to this I, i'm happy about that cool go me quick box office update and it goes along with what we're talking about before Candyman is the big movie of this week we will be reviewing it i think mike i yeah in some way shape or form i don't know how it's the most bizarre bizarrely received movie i think the marketing looked great you and Mm. i differ on that yeah i did especially the part where they peeled the hand and then the (laughs) the guts well established, you are not a fan of that aspect, uh, body horror in general. Mm-hmm. But it, 
we've seen this movie being getting killed all day by people we trust, right? On film Twitter, it's getting yeah. hammered. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it's getting loved. What is going on? Bizarre. Very it's bizarre. It's just like the thumbs up, thumbs down thing, the like or not like mm-hmm. thing, is just doesn't work anymore, Rotten Tomatoes? I, I, I don't know. I, I get I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of questions in this episode. I don't have answers. Anyway, Tom Bergerman of IndieWire, we, we're big fans, and he... You know, he wrote something really cool about the future of movie theaters is still in horror films. The 2021 grosses right now are nearing two billion and 400 million of that of that gross has come from horror films uh, over 20 percent right now in 2021. And that was a number that was only 10 percent back in 2019, Mike. Well, that's that hits on something you already touched on before. I mean, the reason Halloween probably is given the stamp of approval by Universal that it seems to be getting right now is likely because the, the it's a quality picture. It's probably going to make money and it's probably going to be a great ratio in comparison to its budget because these horror movies usually have shoestring budgets and they're able to right. milk a lot of money off them historically. Did they film both Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends at the same time? I thought they did. I just read something, I think this week or last week, saying that they were going back to film uh, Ends now. So, mm-hmm. I I don't know. Maybe I just was wishing they did, probably is what happened, but I, I guess that's not the case, but uh, you know, don't take my word for it. MMO Google exists. Yeah, MMO does Halloween should just become MMO still do Halloween. You know, <laughs> we still we we, we do just Halloween. Pivot the podcast change, and talk about nothing but Mike Myers all the time. <laughs> change the tense. But yeah, Candyman has a twenty-five million dollar budget. You could see them getting after that right now. They they can make money on that, hopefully. And uh, all right, yeah. so we're we're gonna check it out this weekend with the people, and uh, hopefully we'll like it. Mike, I did want to mention last week's pathetic first showing for Reminiscence, which made in the ninth spot 1.9 million. Jeez. It's only made five million worldwide right now. Of course, it's on HBO Max day and day. $68 million budget, this Hugh Jackman, Thandie Newton film, Rebecca Ferguson, etc. $68 million budget. Now, this is gruesome for <laughs> yeah. day and date. Like, it's almost a case study to say, why bother at this point for, for WB, right? <sighs> I mean, in terms I almost, of HBO Max, why bother going for two, two million? Like Netflix does this all the time. Like, why bother releasing it nationwide when we're going to put it on Netflix? We're making more money with the subs. Do we happen to know how many screens it was on world uh, nationwide? A lot. A it, lot. Was on, it, it was a wide yeah, rollout. It was like Jesus. it was a wide release. So that's a that. disastrous that opening. Is, yeah. For reminiscence. It could but, be. It could be indicative too of the. I mean, I almost hit play on it a billion times, but I never did. Did you watch it? No, I I just yeah. purposely didn't, didn't watch it because yeah. like. This is just going to make me aggravated. I see right. enough reviews that I trusted, and maybe it's okay. Maybe I mean maybe we're being jerks there, but nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust our gut. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a scientist in the trailer, but also a kung fu rooftop master, <laughs> and also a deep sea diver. Yeah, right, right. That's and how also... he got around. You see, <laughs> <laughs> Jean Valjean. No, um, <laughs> free guy won last weekend and held well. Right with a th- only a thirty three point eight percent drop, Paw Patrol came in doing okay. Don't breathe looks like it's going to make money overall, and Jungle Cruise, you know, still in that third spot doing okay. Mike, I just, you know, I'm wondering if studios got to try and 
get more creative. Like they stick to one release plan, but you almost got it's got to be a case by case basis, especially for WB, right? Maybe don't leak that something's going to move to 2022, and then leak that never mind about that last leak. We're not actually going to move it; it's actually going to stay to confuse the audience. Yeah. And, and and you know maybe have consistent messaging like that that might help some tentpole <laughs> movies. Well, I know that all these businessmen in Hollywood got to be working overtime though, right? Because this it's is crazy. It's crazy. Tricky I, to figure yeah, out. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, we we try to read the tea leaves on this stuff all the time. We try to give our best guesses on, but this is really just unprecedented stuff and how do you factor in where COVID is looks like it's heading and what the winter's going to look like on top of it and it just we're taking these things in like six week bites it seemed like at this point yeah yeah well mike we got some trailer thoughts we have some major first looks here Mm -hmm. spencer of course is what i have to force us to lead with because (laughs) spencer of course is the princess diana story it is pablo lorraine Kristen stewart the poster came out last week half of it is like this cascade of dress and diana in that iconic shot crying into dress her back to us my god has that become a meme already Mm -hmm. it's everywhere bravo neon because if that that's your goal right i mean it becomes viral marketing yep Absolutely. Absolutely agree on every account. And this is the second time something from this movie has gone viral because that first look of Kristen Stewart back in whenever that that, that set photo was released of her gazing out the window, that also made the round. So just another example of Neon crushing it. So I was worried, then I wasn't worried, then I was worried again. Now I'm not worried anymore, Mike, because we have footmen, we have feasts, we have fashion, (laughs) we have foliage. We get POV cinematography that we don't get in The Crown. This looked distinctly visually different than what we have been getting in The Crown. And the, the huge aerial establishing shots, you know... Also with Pablo Lorraine's like camera over the shoulder going through the mansions and the guardi- gardens mm. and like this is a true teaser trailer because we get glimpses of Kristen Stewart doing a lot of running, I would mm-hmm. say. She's running and crying, she's running and holding back tears. I just thought those first 40 seconds, I just didn't breathe. I just held my breath. It was incredible. I got more Judy vibes as far as cinematography and production set design go than I did Downton Abbey or or anything from The Crown that I've seen. Not that I've watched all The Crown, but just the clips I've seen of The Crown. So I I agree there is a distinct difference going on uh, between those worlds. I, I, I mean, wholly intriguing. And look, Kristen Stewart says two words in this. That's the cleanest British accent I've ever heard. I know it was only two words, but I will be stunned if, based on just those two words, Kristen Stewart doesn't deliver a spot-on impression of a a great British accent. The two words, so far, so good. I'm worried about that accent because that is a thick accent. It's thick. It Uh, is. It is. But, I mean, I I was floored. Like, she's... She, I think she's going to be nom- she's nominated. I'm, well, there's four spots left in the lead actress category. I'm calling it. That's yeah. it. There's four so that, spots left in the category. That's the thing. We have Scott Mendelson. A lot of the people we trust on Twitter, their reviews, they saw some sneak previews of the mm-hmm. movie, a bunch of clips, and she's going off. And they're like, I'm very confident <laughs> in Mendelssohn's case. <laughs> she's going to be a contender in this Oscar race. So that that's really cool to see because we've been, we've been banging on the Kristen Years. Stewart you know, Bell for years right now. Yeah, years. We've been talking about how uh, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. So let's go. So that 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 was a fun, you know, 80-second trailer. We got another innovative trailer here. I'm really excited 
about what Netflix marketing and their PR departments are doing. Because, Mike, we got on them last year, this time mm-hmm. last year. We were on them for yeah. the trial of the Chicago 7 marketing. And, and, we and rightfully on, so. Yeah. <laughs> we the were power right. Of, the Power of the Dog trailer here is one of two in this episode that I'm going to love. And the whistling, the menacing whistling, which you misinterpreted in the pre-show, thinking I didn't get it, but I get, it. I totally get it, man. I totally, it. <laughs> but I like, I I didn't know like a months before today, mm-hmm. I would not have guessed that Benadou Cumberboo mm-hmm. right. would be bad, but he's bad, right? So, two things. <laughs> <laughs> One, the 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 shot of Kirsten Dunst in this saying he's just a man. I tweeted this, but it's so true. Saying telling Jesse Plemons that he's just a man, supposedly referring to Benedict Cumberbatch. You don't say that about somebody unless you're trying to calm the nerves of somebody because that somebody you're saying it about is a menacing presence, Ugh. and you know there's more to that. I said that exact thing about mm-hmm. my constitutional law professor, my one L year at law school, when I, people <laughs> behind me were freaking out about him because his reputation preceded himself, and he was a hard ass teacher. He was he was tough. He was good, but he was very tough and very menacing. Um, so I will be stunned if Benabil Cumberbatch is not the bad guy in this. The second thing, mm-hmm. as far as the menacing whistling from Benadil Cumberbatch, yeah, he borders on Jurassic Park's theme. <laughs> yeah. He is so close to whistling the Jurassic Park theme. Somebody <laughs> already made that joke on Twitter. They beat me to it. I didn't write down who it was. I apologize. But I couldn't get it out of my head. When I but heard. did you put it in our doc before it was on Twitter? I don't. I don't know that I did. I, I'll be mm. honest. I, I, I want to give that whoever I should have wrote it down. Whoever made that joke first, you get the press the credit for it, not me. But I couldn't get it out of my head when I heard it. No, I I was freaking out with this trailer because like he that whistle sounds gross and I don't know what's going on there. And then he, somebody's grabbing a person on the inside of a thigh in a stable. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. whose thigh is that? <laughs> whose hand is that? That's a major problem. Ew. That's whose sinister. hand is that? <laughs> right. That freaked me the hell out. And then you yeah. have the rope tightening. Like what's going on there? The blood at the end of the wheat is you know obviously all right. I we're gonna get some shot. murder. Yeah, and then Kirsten Dunst is like. Oh my God! Every sh- I mean, your prediction with Kirsten Dunst getting an Oscar nomination is looking great right now because she's a train wreck in every scene mm. and it's just an emotion. I mean, she's emoting everything, right? And it helps that she hates her husband, who's Jesse Plemons in real life, because <laughs> she had <laughs> not not apropos of this movie at all. But we're talking about Kirsten Dunst. She had one of the weirder quotes this week about being in love with her beau, who is Jesse Plemons, who she stars alongside of in this mm-hmm. as his wife. And the quote was about not being able to control who you fall in love with when you're at the saddest moments of your life or something like that. And it just, to me, read like one of those Instagram posts where the girl puts up an anniversary post about her boyfriend, but it goes along the lines of like, happy two years to this actual sack of human excrement. (laughs) Like, even though I actually hate your useless guts and you're literally a war criminal wanted in multiple countries who I have, in fact, snitched on, I just can't imagine life without you. It just it was like one of those things to me. So oh, that's no. my review of this trailer. <laughs> I, I, I'm, this is news to me. I did not know that uh, Very bizarre. Dunce and Jesse Plemons uh, were a thing, were an item. So the fact mm-hmm. that they're married is good. I mean, they probably... Share a lot of sunscreen. They need that in, in Montana. <laughs> they gave birth to the color white. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, they're great actors. So this oh, is oh yeah, fantastic. This I can't. Is I can't wait for this movie. Can I? I wait? 
I cannot see this at the New York Film Festival. I'm so bummed. But uh, I think uh, Andrew's going to go, and we'll have to wait and he- to hear his reviews. All right, Mike, let's move on to the other trailer from Netflix that we previewed. End of September, The Starling, Melissa McCarthy, Kevin Klein, Timothy Oliphant. I don't know if I say his name right, but it, it's a fun name to say. I think, Chris O'Dowd. I, yeah, I, he's best friends with like Conan. That's all, all I know <laughs> about him, and I love him. He's great. Chris O'Dowd, O'Dowd, uh, <laughs> directed by Theodore Melfi, uh, who, of course, is the director of Hidden Finger- Fingers. Figures. Uh, Best Picture nominee. Please save me from... Uh, Hidden this- Fingers. <laughs> fingers. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about him being Dr. Melfi's son for The Sopranos, but I, I, I botched the pun- punchline again with those <laughs> molestation The Hidden, the hidden Fingers. Hidden um, Fingers. <laughs> was it so was it me or was this not at all the type of film that you thought we were i thought we were getting a comedy and this is at its core clearly like a dramcom it's a dramatic rom-com oh, oh i had no idea i had no idea it was going to be this over the top dramatic and i had no idea it was going to work on me this hard yeah. like i'm so glad that I don't gauge my emotional stability levels by whether or not I fight off tears while watching trailers. Because if I did, Michael, <laughs> I'd be in trouble. Now I'm just, like, angry for whatever reason. I'm going to lash out with a terrible take that someone should arrest Kevin Klein for, A, practicing psychology without a license, B, talking to that woman dog owner like that. That's just a mean joke that was I also... Laughed. I very laugh. funny. I it's a very funny mean <laughs> joke. And I'm mean. You're mean. We're all mean. Mm-hmm. And then somebody, please arrest him for that painfully cathartic voiceover about how starlings and humans are families and they're one of the same and God does exist. And he's a bird. Or Kevin Klein. And I, I cried at this trailer. I'm just so embarrassed. It's no, it was a great trailer. It was heart wrenching. And Kevin Klein is a highlight. And my Lord, does he look great with that all encompassing white beard around his face? Nice to see him again. Mm. Here's a, a little worry for me, though, about this and about what I saw in the trailer. So if you haven't seen this trailer yet, dear listener, I want you to imagine for me in your mind a trailer about a couple trying to pick up the pieces of their life after losing a child in pregnancy and make it the type of heart and tone in which the Lumineers would be a fitting song going throughout the whole trailer. Mm. If you do that in your head, you're probably going to come very close to what the actual cut of this trailer is. Me like a tad cliche, oh, maybe totally. a little melodramatic. It seems so. Like I could, I could see reason for worry here. Oh, a hundred percent melodramatic. Yeah. But what do audiences love, Michael? That I learned from my seventh grade uh, band teacher. Audiences love hidden fingers. Audiences love corn, and this was corn. <laughs> She's a seventh what? grade band teacher, by the way. <laughs> I base my career as a screenwriter on that principle. <laughs> <laughs> and look what I am now. Oh, my God. <laughs> corn? Did you audiences, say corn? Audiences love corny-ass shit. They love corny stuff. And this is, that's a corny trailer. It's melodramatic. It's good. Uh, I shouldn't have stepped on your joke with the hidden fingers. I should have just let you say corn. <laughs> <laughs> You should have just let the joke live and exist as its own. It was going to flounder by itself. 
All right, so <laughs> we have one more trailer to get to, but we're going to build up to it a minute because we do have CinemaCon in full swing. So I wanted to mention some, you know, previews that we could preview right now. Yeah. Matrix 4, Top Gun Maverick, Mission Impossible 7, The Batman, Dune, Halloween Kills. We mentioned a couple more. Cyrano got a first look. I mean, all this stuff is coming. And heading into CinemaCon, we almost had a major snafu with the Spider-Man No Way Home teaser trailer leak. But that didn't happen because they just leaked it themselves? Okay, Mike, Mm -hmm. I I am going to blindside you a little bit here because I just thought of this and I thought this was something I wanted to write down, but then I didn't. Um, You watched all of WandaVision, yes? Yeah. Is there a scene in WandaVision in which there is a a heart drawn on the calendar for August 24th and it's never explained what happens and why that's there? I don't know. I didn't watch it that closely. I watched it once. I didn't rewatch it. I saw somebody point this out on Twitter. And the ru- the word was when the No Way Home, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer was released by Marvel, there was a mad scramble by Marvel to pull the leaked copy from the hmm. internet, which they did a pretty okay job. A lot of people saw it, but it was scrubbed by the time I got around to it. And then they ended up releasing it a day early. I think it was on the 24th, though. So is there a possible that Kevin Feige is that far ahead of the game that he was desperate to pull the leak trailer because he wanted to stick true to his Easter egg of having that show up in WandaVision, that heart on the calendar of the August 24th, and then have the the No Way Home, have that be an Easter egg for when the No Way Home trailer would be released? Because it seemed odd to me that Marvel would go that crazy to scrub the thing from the internet and then release it basically a day later themselves, which was still supposedly a day earlier than they planned on. Wow. That would be something. That would be anal, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's nuts, but it also, I'm not putting it past Kevin Feige. <laughs> well, he could do whatever he wants, right? right? I mean, I don't know if that date has any significance in the rest of these, you know, uh, MCU stories on Disney Plus right now. I'm not I'm not paying attention that closely. we got to, again, we got to continue the MCU rewatch series that we did. Mm. Uh, but <laughs> fascinating, fascinating. I, I will say there's a couple of, uh, there's another two stories about Spider-Man No Way Home that we got to pay attention to before we get into it here is that Sony officially rebranded its Marvel character movies uh, that are not part of the MCU as the Spider-Man universe. So this hits on what you talked about before, but we'll have Venom, Morbius, and the upcoming Kraven the Hunter movie. And of course, this screams new franchise crossovers Mm -hmm. and Spider-Man returning to this Sony universe. Yes, Sony Spider-Man universe. I think it's a wise marketing decision, seeing as, I mean, you got to think the Web Slinger is no doubt Sony's biggest moneymaker. It's Mm. probably their most well-known IP. It's probably the most in-demand property at the outset of this new solo venture, this weird time they're ending, if if they are actually going to do a full split from Marvel from here on out and be responsible for their own Marvel property. So I just think this is wise move on sony's part my question obviously it's the obvious question that everyone's going to ask next when do we get the tarantino spider-man movie (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see what these hidden fingers can (laughs) no (laughs) i just i was waiting for that i was just gonna say that no matter what you right no but it was it was well put you should have i'm glad (laughs) um i think that tarantino should make a 10th movie. Can we just say that? Just make a 10th movie and I'll be happy. Spider-Man meets Star Trek. Tarantino's 10th. 
He could do it. Just give me a tenth. Uh, I've been rewatching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I have of course not. You have. You know why? Because it was book. the best picture that came out two years ago. Well, That's why you're rewatching it. Guess what, though? I prefer the film. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. The book is. How far did you get in the book? I got like an hour left. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, hour huh. left in the audio book. I mean, there's it's revelations, but I'm like, what the hell? Oh my god! I'm glad. <laughs> The movie I don't need good. to see this far into Quentin's brain. Yeah, I don't want it. <laughs> Jesus. Ugh. All right, Mike. Last story yes. on Spider-Man before we review this trailer is that the 24-hour record for hits for YouTube video for views and for views online that was broken, shattered. In fact, by No Way Home because Avengers Endgame was at 289 million in 24 hours, and No Way Home. Just uh, trounced that number with 355 million in its first day. I think only 35 million of those were me. How many did you do? <laughs> um, I, so, okay. <laughs> yes, this is an incredibly anticipated movie, obviously. Hmm. Why are we so confident it's actually going to come out in theaters in December if we just spent. Three quarters of this episode prior to this talking about how nothing makes sense and we don't know what's going on with COVID. Like, why is Marvel posturing themselves as saying this is definitely happening? So your hidden fingers, (laughs) they were pouring water on the blanket and then now you just pulled the blanket over our heads. And it grew corn. Yeah. I'm serious. Like of all the of all the studios, there seems to be a lot of wavering by a lot of studios, and not maybe not total wavering, but we can at least ask the questions that they seem to be hinting at asking themselves. Whereas Marvel's just out here, like, yeah, Spider Man's coming in December, fuckos. <laughs> in a normal year, Spider Man coming in December would mean a billion dollars, right? So easily, easily. That's the question. They're probably looking at that and saying, all right, is that going to be a billion dollars? I mean, we don't have Sony TV Plus, so, right. you know, they got to make a decision there at some point. I mean, maybe they can get in on the Disney Plus deal, right? If, 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 if there's a day and date That'd somehow be fat, with that. They have to buy Sony out unless it's licensed to go to Disney. And that's the part you were talking about afterwards. There's all these licensing deals in place already for these places to do their second run on these alternate streaming sites because they were those contracts were done prior to right. uh, the introduction of these new streaming sites. So maybe it's not even going to Disney Plus afterwards. Maybe it's supposed to go to Netflix. Who knows? Yeah, I think it's a quagmire. Um, Giggity. <laughs> All right, so let's well let's give a spoiler warning because we do have to discuss this Spider-Man three trailer with the first two movies in mind, and that's why we held it to the end of the episode and we didn't lead with it because all right, we're gonna have to mention the last two. We're gonna have to mention uh, coming coming home. What the hell were the other two's names? I'm coming home. I'm coming uh, far from home. Right? Yeah. And homecoming was the first homecoming, one. Homecoming, homecoming. Yeah. I know there was a clever first one. I just mm-hmm. you know. Turning it to my parents, both of them at the same time. <laughs> All right, so spoiler warning: Spider-Man: No Way Home. I love this three-minute teaser because there's not many three-minute teasers. Number one, but I, I'll tell you this: crystal clear story arc on yeah. what's probably the first act of this movie. As you mm-hmm. texted me the other day, this is a sign of strength for the storytelling, as we've said many times. But we have Peter and MJ, the new romance, top of the rooftop, adorable. Peter's, Peter's secret identity, where the spoilers come in here. Is Zendaya Meryl Streep? What? I don't mean to cut you off, but the MJ, Peter MJ story, is Zendaya Meryl Streep? 
Like, she played the most grown woman I have ever seen in Malcolm and Marie. Mm-hmm. And she's also playing this lovey-dovey teenager on a rooftop here in Spider-Man No Way Home. Is she a chameleon? She's good at her job. <laughs> she's she's very good at her job. Her life. <laughs> <laughs> she's really good at her job. She was awesome in Malcolm and Marie. I yes, can't believe she, she didn't get an Oscar nominated for that. If that didn't piss off every critic in the world, it might have <laughs> had a chance. I tried to I tried to stump for her, but unfortunately, it just didn't go very far. But uh, all right. Yeah, I mean, she is... She is the key to this movie. She's going to be key to the yeah. Dune fran- franchise, it looks like. And she starts out this trailer, and she's like the component, along with uh, everybody who's close to Peter, who's, you know, the re- the reason why he wants to, you know, make sure that people don't know about his secret identity. So that was broadcast to the world at the end of Spider-Man 2 by Mysterio after the fact, right? And we have Ned and Aunt May and MJ. They're all getting hounded by the media and fans. And we have Peter getting questioned by the police. And it seems like, you know, they're making him feel responsible for certain things. So then, of course, Peter goes to Dr. Strange and says, hey, we just saved the world together. You're a wizard. Can you reverse this? And put Give me a spell your hidden on? fingers. <laughs> Can your hidden fingers reverse this curse? And then, of course, like mid-curse and a very efficient storytelling, you know, Doctor Strange is like, yeah, but I reverse it to everybody. Here's the stipulations. Why would you ask a wizard to do anything? Voila. <laughs> yeah, uh, like I tweeted, the subtext of this is Marvel telling everyone, stop fucking asking questions about the MCU. <laughs> when you ask questions, people get hurt. Uh, look, it's you're right. Quick, efficient. We all know where we're headed with this, and yet we have no idea where the destination is. And, I mean, the reveals, the obvious quantum... Uh, what, what's the word here? What am I looking for here, Mike? Multiverse? Yeah, the multiverse. Thank you. I was going to call it the quantum verse. I knew that was wrong. But the multiverse is in full effect, and There's we're having... a quantum mania and a multiverse. There you go. And a... WrestleMania. Is what you misspoke. Uh, <laughs> and so we have the Green Goblin, the the the, the Harry Osborne Osborne laugh from right, right, Spider Man right. One. Will he's back. We have Alfred Molina in a ridiculous wig. It's Doc Ock coming back in this one as well. He shows. He says hi to us. He's the big reveal at the end of the trailer. So we're in full fledged WTF mode here. We know mm-hmm. all of the guest stars, or at least have reported here on most of the guest stars that Spider-Man has lined up. We think we're going to get multiple Spideys, including uh, Mr. Garfield as well. Yeah. Toby and Garfield mm-hmm. got to be back. There's no other think. way around it. So I we got think. a Spider-Verse, a Multiverse, the timeline thing from Loki, and uh, a Quantum Mania, as I said before, and which are impacted by Doctor Strange, who probably did something else to screw everything up. And I want to go on record here for my uh, my brother Schmave, who yelled at me, so I will now yell at myself. Uh, I pontificated that I thought Galactus was going to be the next big bad because it looked like that was who was on screen in the Eternals trailer. He corrected yeah. me, saying that he does not think that's Galactus, and that, in fact, he thinks the next big bad is already being set up uh, via a Disney Plus offering for right. the so, next iteration of the Avengers. Yeah, I think you got to watch... You got to watch the Disney Plus shows to get an idea of that. And that's why it's fun because, like, they're giving reasons for why things are getting screwed up in the movies and on the TV side of thing. And I'm side of the thing. And I'm wondering which is which or if they're all coming into fray. But it's going to be it's going to be bedlam in the MCU. And they're just going to do whatever the hell they want. Do we for get a couple two Spider Mans out of this at the end of the day? Is that where this is heading? Is, is this quantum mania going to be splitting reality so much and then we're going to do the old thing where we uh, we hired a new actor to 
play the same character on the long-running TV show in the 80s and 90s. So Tom Holland's Spider-Verse is going to be Sony exclusive, but we're going to have some new actors step into the shoes and go off with the Avengers and stuff in the Marvel. But he'll be a small Spider-Man will be reduced to a smaller role without any solo movies. I don't think I'll be honest with you. I don't think so. Because I think once that goes over to Sony, like, why would Sony make that deal? And then the MCU could just do another Spider-Man over the top of theirs. I mean, maybe they want Tom Holland that bad <laughs> to be next to I agree. It Tom Hardy eating a yeah. lobster. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. maybe they maybe if there's no solo Spider-Man movies, they can only be property of Sony. I, I mean, there's ways around it, but I agree it's difficult. I don't necessarily believe it, but... I, you're gonna just write Spider-Man out of the Avengers world, out of Marvel completely? He's gonna go off and do fight the Sinister Six for a while. I mean, they're happy if, I mean, he's gonna get another trilogy, right? Uh, for Sony fighting the Sinister Six or fight us, fighting alongside them or whatever, right? So you don't think we get a Miles Morales that ends up going in the MCU? No, I don't think so. I think Miles Morales is getting his own trilogy at Sony. You know, and Sony and Netflix, it's really, it's getting it at Netflix, right? Or mm. I, I forget that deal. Yeah. Now. I, th- I think the, that's a later window, but yeah, that he's no, that so- Sony's going to do a Miles Morales trilogy and they're, they're, you know, they're going to do a, a Venom trilogy and then they're going to do a Spider-Man Venom trilogy. Oh man. Right. Something like that. I mean, carnage. And then the Sinister Six is going to build up on the side is my yeah. guess. Well, see, I thought the Sinister Six was being built up for Holland. I think I thought that was the call. Maybe. But, oh, they'll leave Venom on this because Venom is so lucrative. They'll give him five movies for a yeah, year. Yeah. Or Tom Hardy be the just eventual, get him on yeah. a Zoom call and come up with the next plot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excited for this one? Oh, very, very. Uh, you know, th- this is it's just a sign of storytelling strength when yeah. you just market the movie with like Act One and only Act One. Mm-hmm. That's that's thrilling. And yeah, I'm totally in for the, all the Easter eggs and whatever. And let, let the MCU go nuts. We just had a 25 movie arc. <laughs> <laughs> we can let it go haywire for a while. I'm in. Were you giddy, excited, curious, happy? What was the emotion when you saw Alfred Molina walking across the screen for the first time there? Yeah, it's cool. I, I that's my favorite Spider-Man of the yeah. uh, Sam Raimi era, the Spider-Man Two. So that that was cool. I'm fine with that. I, I get why it's happening. I'm like, I'm not going to be like, oh, for million is and he's Doc Ock forever now. No, I want I want Catherine Hans Doc Ock. I want you know mm. other. I'm fine with Doc Ock getting remade. He's he's a cool ass villain. But I thought Alfred Molina did a wonderful job as as Doc Ock in the uh, in the Toby verse. I so agree. But am I to believe now that that Doc Ock is thinking he's staring at Toby Parker when he's talking to Holland Parker? No, I think he's staring at Toby Maguire there, right? Or I oh. don't know. I don't remember the trailer. But why would he say "Hey, Peter" if it's if it's Tom Holland? I don't know. That's what was I was confused by that. I got to rewatch the trailer. Do we see a crosscut between Tom Holland and Alfred Molina, or is mm. it vague and it could be a Toby Alfred Molina crosscut? Mm. How fat is Tobey Maguire, though? That's another thing. Well, I like, just, I mean, he's got to dance, right? I don't care what the hell you have him do in this movie. He better be dancing emo style. And is Andrew Garfield finally look his age or no? He still looks. I want the, Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker, but in the eyes of Tammy Faye makeup. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted watch to be the Loki, first. though. Seriously, you got to watch Loki because that 
conversation has to happen next between you and me, whether it's on or off mic. I and I know a lot of fans are saying that as well. Well, once I finish Gotham, I will. <laughs> Gotham's like seven seasons. You, you texted me this the other day. It's asinine that you would watch Gotham, which has no connection to any universe. I'm very intrigued by what they do with that Joker character. Fine, watch Gotham. Watch out Loki six episodes. <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous, right? You just refuse to watch it because it was popular. You just refuse. Like, it's not good. It's good. It's not good. I mean, is it great? I don't know, but it's important. Oh, is it not as good? As, so, Loki or WandaVision, which do you prefer? Oh, I like Loki a little bit better, but I, I mean, okay. I liked them both. I, a WandaVision annoyed me. I'm not going to lie. It annoyed me for six episodes like i like sitcoms but when mm-hmm. you make unfunny parodies of the sitcoms mm. i don't like that that's mm. she's a good actor he's a good actor i don't understand the critical acclaim i liked all the mcu stuff at the end and like all that gotcha um makes sense and then falcon and the winter soldier had a lull but that was pretty cool too i mean that's setting up more things have you that's checked out be- what if yet yeah I'm, I'm three for three on what if it's it and they're probably two for three right now and what if like the first two are fun weird but fun and the third one's not very good in my opinion all right well hey i will uh i will dive into loki at some point because i do want to uh between you and my brother and i I gotta i gotta figure out my own take on what's going on here yeah no it's starting to all connect yeah starting to connect after all this time (laughs) it's my take (laughs) my dumbass take with my hidden fingers oh it only took 13 years 25 (laughs) movies it's all coming together (laughs) guys uh as always what means the most to us are your takes on these stories these trailers uh and this industry news you can leave us all of those as well as any other comments questions or concerns you have about anything we do here in the mmo empire on our social medias we are mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram at mm and oscar on twitter uh mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available wherever you hear podcasts and if you're listening to us on the apple podcast app if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review that would truly make our day uh michael Tell the good people what is coming next, and let's end on some words of wisdom here. Well, I mean, there's the film festivals coming out uh, soon with Venice uh, on the September 1st there, and uh, TIFF and uh, starting September 9th, and then, of course, New York, September 24th. So we're going to be covering those and covering reactions to those, and Oscar Ace checkpoints, they're just going to keep happening because they have to. Uh, We're also going to keep reviewing movies, and I'm proud of us. We've been, you know, ripping them off one after the next. Like, we we can't get our shit together enough to have, like, other guests than just Swell, who's just the coolest and comes on and helps us and yeah but she's impromptu she's like you like no wonder you guys are friends like you guys could just like say yeah you want to do it yeah why not i mean i have to plan seven days in advance i need to Mm -hmm. know the time and the date and the Mm -hmm. you know the type of the moon we have over our heads and i need all of that and i drive you guys crazy but no i I, I, you know so we're neglecting some other future guests but we're thrilled that swell keeps just (laughs) crashing the party and we have some of the great episodes green knight was a great episode Nighthouse was a great episode. I'm so. very, very happy with our Nighthouse episode. I, yeah, I, it, I mean, even it's a weird episode. It's not like one that we've ever done before. I feel, right. but it's. I'm really happy with how it turned out. I think that's a well worth a listen. I love those deep dives, and she kicked my ass, and especially the later in the episode. <laughs> so the, I, I don't know. It's awesome. She did it. She did a bang up job, and I got my ass whooped, and she completely. Uh, I, I'm on her side now. So now I don't know what to think about the movie. <laughs> 
because she's made some good points. I'm like, yeah, actually, that's probably that's that's probably right. That's that's right. So so now we're in F minus territory with the night house, like you F- said at minus, the end of that episode. F minus because yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> but yeah, so that, no, I, I gave the stipulation and I stick to mm-hmm. it. But uh, <laughs> listen to swell shenanigans because you and Amanda did an awesome show where I'm laughing like an idiot. I listened to it several times. I haven't watched it on YouTube yet, but I listened to it twice, and you guys were very funny. It was about celebrity bathing habits, and you know she's launching Swell Shenanigans, the podcast, on iTunes and everywhere, and you know rate and review that show, and she's kicking ass every uh, on YouTube. So why not in podcast form too? So I was really excited to hear that. Well done, Mud. That's very kind of you to say. Did I tell that seagull story here ever? I can't remember. I don't think so. I don't think I, so. I don't so think that I was, did either. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. I think uh, <laughs> I think that explains a lot of things. And I think any <laughs> chance I get to attack you with a you know seventy five fake <laughs> seagulls, I'm gonna do it. Be ready. When you least expect it, I'm gonna sick seventy five seagulls on you. Hopefully it's at a restaurant. Yeah. Well, if you need to hear that story, go check out Swell Shenanigans, my episode there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks or you're under attack from your co-host with a horde of seagulls, <laughs> come review the industry news with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See you. See you.